0: So I could definitely second what you said. That I think a big issue is that lack of conversation. Yeah,
1: I didn't always, and this is why I give this advice. You know, I won't sit here and say that I'm perfect. A million miles from perfect. I don't think it exists mm-hmm. in anything, but definitely not in humans, and definitely not in parents. Perfect mm-hmm. isn't there. And I think I was on that fool's errand for a long time, trying to strive for perfection—the mm-hmm. perfect dad, the perfect husband, the perfect man. It's exhausting. Mate. It's exhausting, and you're never going to achieve it. You know. But mm-hmm. all you could be is your best. And I think sometimes people don't like this. Oh your best. You know, your best is just not good enough. And but your best is more than enough, especially as a parent. You know, I genuinely believe mm-hmm. that everybody's different, a parent and everybody will do things differently. Some people will struggle struggle mm-hmm. with certain things, some people won't struggle with them. And I think that right. you know, I, I talk to people, particularly having so many, you know, at my, my house, and we home educate, you know, so we ask for trouble, you know. If there is times <laughs> You sit there and you think, you know, this this is all the advice I give other people. I'm not even following it. Today I'm getting it wrong. You know, I'm a hypocrite because I say do this and that's just the way it is you know sometimes we don't talk mm-hmm. about the fact that it's okay to fail you know we're sort of, we sort seem to try and take the word mm-hmm. failure out and I know a lot of people when it comes to maybe CBT or different forms of counselling they, they'd like to remove the word I think it's okay I say to my children that as well you know that it's okay to get things wrong you know as long as you, mm-hmm. you give it your best and you, you fail that's okay that's fine that's a good lesson to learn because more often than not you maybe won't do that again and that's parenting mm-hmm. you know I've learned things the hard way and I talk about this and people always raise an eyebrow but we, um, we don't have set bedtime i think we've had this conversation before mm-hmm. it would be difficult in my house anyway because the different age gaps you know we would be starting bed at six o'clock and finishing at midnight if we did it so that everyone <laughs> had to set bedtime because they all go to sleep differently but there's also the fact that yeah. you know because we do have boys with autism and this sort of hyperactive part of it it is difficult to get them to settle but my main reason for it is we don't go to bed at the same time every night travis you know, this is just my view. This is mm-hmm. my opinion. Not everybody will agree. And it won't work for some people. But you don't go to bed at the same time every night. We're not tired at the same time every night. But we sort of mm-hmm. expect children to be. So it's 8 o'clock, right. go to bed. Okay, I'm not tired. We'll go to bed anyway. Why? You know, if, if they're not tired, why do we make them go to bed? And then we punish them for not going to sleep, but they're not tired. And this isn't criticism right. of anybody else's parenting. This is just the way that I see it. Because I did it. you got to mm-hmm. go to bed. you got to go to bed. And you sit there for an hour trying to get them to go to bed. And... I would just sort of oh you'd read the stories and and they wouldn't settle and then you get a little bit agitated and it creates a little bit of tension and then it's hard to go to sleep on tension anyway you want to try and make them as relaxed as possible and Mm -hmm. sometimes I regret it because they're maybe a little bit later they get enough sleep they get a healthy amount of sleep it eats into my evening time with my wife because obviously you're constantly doing stuff with the kids so it is trying to find that balance and, and it works for us you know we sort of because we've got a big family we do everything as a family that's just the way it works if if one of us has homework we all do the same subject it's just the way that it works people with large Mm -hmm. families might understand that a little bit more so we go everywhere together which doesn't give you much room Mm. for having time away from them and we try and find that in the evening we try and find a little bit of time to watch a bit of tv or but the the communication bit we do on the go we talk about the the difficult stuff maybe we didn't always but that seventh pregnancy when i sat on the bed and i just burst into tears They floods and floods of tears. I opened up, you know, and I told her, I'm really struggling with this. You know, I can't get past it. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to worry you, blah, blah, blah. She says, but I've been worried about you anyway because you're not yourself. It's the best thing I ever did. And this is why I talk about the things that I talk about because I honestly believe you can use the sort of changed my life. I think that conversation saved my life. I really, really do. Mm -hmm. Because I was at that point where, yes, I was going to have a baby. It was the end of the pregnancy. But I just don't know if I'd gone much further, if I ever would have got back, you know, I think that's the Hmm. point. I'm not necessarily saying that I would have left my wife a widow at that point, but I just don't think my life would be what it is. If I had gone that much further, I think I would have just brought too much. Is my own personal mm-hmm. understanding. I'm lucky yeah. that I had that. And because I was able to offload, even when things got really bad after she died and the next mm. six months, we were able to have that conversation. So I was constantly able to check in. One of the mm-hmm. things that I try and talk to, particularly new dads, because it is difficult to find places to talk about these sort of things. If we could educate them, and I talk a lot about mindfulness, well-being. Meditation isn't mm-hmm. something I do a lot of, but I think it's fantastic. I've introduced different sort of things Like I have physical limitations. So I started doing sort of upper body Pilates, like I got Pilates chair and um, resistance bands, that sort of stuff. I used to focus on the fact that because I wasn't what I used to be, Travis, because I wasn't physically the man I was, because I couldn't do what I wanted to, I couldn't do anything. And I think that that was sort of the way I looked at it. So my whole mindset changed a few years ago. And this is why I try and give this advice because still having that now on the bad days where I do still struggle, being able to go and talk to Sarah about it. You know, the person that Mm -hmm. I'm closest to and what we normally do, and this, yet again, I can't stress it enough, it's just what works for us. We laugh about it. You know, we try and make light of the situation. She was diagnosed with a brain tumour about four or five months ago. It's benign. You know, it's called an acoustic neuroma. If you're going to have a brain tumour, this is the one you want. It has to be monitored and scanned sort of every couple of years, the rest of her life. If it gets too big, they take it out. But right now, it's very small. When we got that news obviously she was very worried we got it on the friday and all we knew was brain tumor mm. they didn't tell us anything else so that was the longest weekend of my life yeah, yeah sarah suffers um from sort of this whole general anxiety but she's very very anxious sure she'd had it most of her life and
0: i'm sure that helped her saying that someone who already has yeah. general anxiety disorder which is I, I deal with that on a daily basis in my job it's it, it could be really debilitating and then you give someone news of hey you have a brain tumor and then that's it i'm I would be spiraling and I don't have general anxiety disorder that's like a whole other level I can't even imagine what was going on in her mind yeah, so, just spinning so this
1: this, so this was the Friday evening we talked about it but on the Saturday and this is not yet again trying to make this about me on the Saturday she she nipped out to get some shopping hmm. I thought I'm going to I'm going to rig one of my friends I was really worried about myself I couldn't even talk on the phone right? and I'm not an emotional person real men don't cry I was never one of them even though I was in the army I'm just mm-hmm. not that emotional. you know I don't really cry that never used to anyway it's just not something that was when I to get my children. You know, I love them. It's wonderful. I'm over the moon, but I don't cry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I got upset, sort of at seventh pregnancy, and I was crying, I was really up to my wife. Even she says, I've never seen you like this. I do it a little bit more now, but on that day, I couldn't even speak on the phone. just couldn't stop crying. And what was happening, we talk mm-hmm. about sort of trauma earlier on. I went straight back to that ward of the day she nearly died.
0: Right. Flat Instant. Like, it just, just kind of just. Yeah. To I was bed. there again. Yeah, that's like PTSD. Yeah. And, and I thought,
1: I can't just can't can't comprehend this so she was out for a little while I gathered my thoughts calmed down a little bit she came home we talked about it and I thought the only way through this is we have to humor it you know and a lot of people would say that it's the wrong thing to do but yet again it worked for us so when with Sarah's anxiety we always had we have a scale I call it not to Lionel Richie because obviously Lionel Richie dances on the ceiling right (laughs) so when she came home I said on a scale of not to Lionel Richie where are we and she says oh we're Lionel Richie and then we just sort of laughed about it a little bit and then and then she named it and she, I won't say it on here, but it, C-U-N-T. it's C-U-N-T. It's a brain C-U-N-T. Okay. That's what she calls it. So she doesn't say the word tumor. Sure. So, it, it, so that's what she calls it. So we sort of laughed obviously she wouldn't call it that in the hospital. Maybe she would, but I don't think so. And it, she, it,
0: should. She, it, should. Yeah, she should. She <laughs> should, yeah.
1: So it was just trying to find a way to cope and, and, that's what we do. doing. And when yeah. when things sometimes get mm-hmm. a little bit overwhelming, and like when when all the boys play up at once, which does happen, and you just sort of stand in there thinking, gee I, you know, I stop the world. I want to get off. I'm done. I'm finished." We just laugh, try mm-hmm. and find something to laugh about, or we or we do something silly, or and that's sort of our coping strategy. You don't know that until you talk about you know you, you can't just yeah. make light of a situation if you've never had that conversation because that could be offensive and
0: you could injure your partner more. yeah and I, i've yeah. said
1: this to lots of people i love my wife more than anything in the world everybody would probably agree with me on that when mm-hmm. it comes to their wife we are very close we grew up together to a degree because i think from sort of 16 to 21 you do your biggest growing in my opinion because you become the person you excited mm-hmm. to get independence and we did that together we've got that friendship first, which I sort of talk to people talk to my boys about it, you know, you hear it quite a lot, but I think it's very important. It is Mm. just if we experience this, what what can we do? And what I did wrong is because I love my wife, when she was struggling with her mental health, I thought loving somebody and supporting somebody was the same thing. It's not. And that's something that I try and sort of Mm. express when I talk to to dads now, because what I would do as a man, very sexist, very, very sexist. I want to fix it. I'm a fixer. Mm -hmm. I want to fix this Mm -hmm. situation. And what I learned the hard way is that's not my situation to fix. It's Mm -hmm. hers. It's my situation to support her to get to the place where she feels better. What can I do to help you? Mm -hmm. What can I do for you? What can we do to fix this? And what I should have been saying is, what do you need? What do you need mm. from me, rather than you tell yeah. me what you need me to do? Because that, in that time, she's that worried. She's on that. She's in that bad a place. She can't tell me what to do. Just mm-hmm. be there and tell her, you know, it's going to be okay. We'll get through this. Let's try counselling. Let's whatever. Let's try therapy. Let's try talking to me. Let's try, whatever. I'm here to support you. You know that. That's what I'll do. And there mm-hmm. is a big difference. And I look back at it now and think that I did want my wife to tell me how to fix it because I thought it was something that I had done wrong. And that was just out to education, was mm-hmm. because I didn't know any better.
0: Yeah, and I think, Scott, a lot of dads, I've even had these moments too, is where we, we, we want to fix things, and it's at a good intention. And I think sometimes what we do is we get so fixated on the fix that we miss out. And I'm speaking from my experience and also working with just a lot of men, is we miss out on often the fix is just, for a lot of times, listening and being in the space of the pain, joining in with, and, not, and that is the fix, meaning that's what our partner needs is often just... How can I support you? What do you need? And which is a, it's a, it's a mind, it's a mind shift because it's, it's kind of not necessarily a tangible, like. I'm going to go build a fence. I'm going to go, right? Because we sometimes guys get stuck in that very tangible. I need something tangible to do to fix my hands or repair. I need to see it. And sometimes you, you can't see it. It's just, it's a feeling. It's a sense. And and so I want to totally second that, that I, I think you're right, that that's something we need to educate dads on is, and and often when I'm working, even with couples is helping the man typically say, being in that space and asking her, what do you need? Whether it's a hug. We often don't ask as men because we often aren't asked as men <laughs> or we haven't been modeled as men. To even ask that question it's a foreign question which I think a lot of guys when I first talk to them about it they're just kind of like wait what that's it that's the question because it's so it's just not on the grid of I never thought of asking that question um, and then they start to ask it and then you start to see the shift You start to see the change. You start to see the connection. And you're right. It's education. It's helping men, fathers, and and moms be able to have that conversation and ask the question of what do you really need right now in this moment? And then something else you spoke about humor. And you're right. Is two things on that. The comment is one is always check with your partner. What works for them? You know, and what works for you guys, Scott and your wife, may not work for me and my wife. And you're so correct. So, everyone, if you're listening, always talk to your spouse, your partner with what works for them because humor for one couple may not work for another. Couple and humor in one moment may not work in another moment, and I think it's so great that you did that. I love the the line. I love the scale you, you guys came up with. Like what a wonderful scale. And humor is powerful. I mean, it really truly is. It's a survival code. I always think of in the book *Man's Search for Meaning* by written by Viktor Frankl. It's a very powerful book. He was a Holocaust survivor, and it's his experience in the, in the death camps in Auschwitz. You know, fun story, but powerful story. And he said one of the ways that they survived was humor. Laughter was a way to cope with the amount of trauma they were undergoing. And it, it wasn't out of invalidating anyone's experience or anything. We all have a point where we kind of need a break from just everything and have this release and laughter is powerful it's so interesting you said that that you and your wife were able to kind of laugh about this moment as a way of releasing the tension releasing the energy in a different way you know on top of having those intimate conversations of what do you need right now and how can i support you and having that balance of laughing and having the moment of oh it's lionel richie we, we need to let it go because it's, it's releasing that energy right i mean i'm guessing does that fit Is that sound kinda... like that is it
1: spot on and it's to be fair a lot yeah. of the time particularly when it's overwhelming Um, and it's it's constant you know like I said I'm not here to look for sympathy but you know there there is life for everybody you know it gets complicated it gets messy and we always say that when you're in that moment and I've got nothing against crying like I said I think it Mm -hmm. it helped me massively I think a good cry is good for everybody a good cry or go into Mm -hmm. a room and have a good shout whatever it might be I think like you said it's it's letting it out and finding ways to do that Mm -hmm. but for for us what works not all the time is you're either going to get really upset maybe get a little bit emotional and cry or we can laugh it out and we'll aim mm. for the laugh it out sometimes you can't you know like if it's if it's grief or if they're maybe struggling with, with something different like for example my wife lost her mother 10 years ago that mm. is one subject you never make later you know i'd never joke about that because mm. it's just not right and it's mm. she's she struggled with the grieving process i think that this yet again goes back to the time being a healer i don't see it i think like i said it, it gives you ways to cope and it's maybe not as raw but you know talking about her mom, what she does quite well is she talks about nanny and the nanny she was mm. to the boys. She struggles to talk about mm. the mum part, you know, and she can, she processes it her own way. Yeah. So that's a conversation that I don't need to have to know. We don't make jokes about that. But like you said earlier, right, right it is just sort of... Like, for example, she'll do the same to me. Like we always have a laugh in the kitchen say we're cooking or whatever we're doing my wife's very much don't feel sorry for yourself just Mm. get on with it you know not not in necessarily a bad way she's very good okay Mm -hmm. that's bad that happened but this is the positive the positive is we now know this or Mm -hmm. the positive is we now don't know whatever she's very good at doing that so if i'm particularly struggling Mm -hmm. or maybe had a bad day you know she always says right stop feeling sorry for yourself right we were mm. talking in the kitchen a few weeks ago and she said something to me and i said the thing is if people just came into our house and didn't know us and heard some of the conversations they'd think we didn't like each other you know that they really would because you think, <laughs> oh what? but it's i think a lot of that i was in the army so she was an army wife and in those situations humor is very important it's important to the wives that are left when the husbands go off it's important to the husbands when they're away yeah. from home and stuff you know so i think that that may be ingrained a little bit into the relationship i don't know maybe i'm stretching for reasons that don't need Mm -hmm. to be found but that's just that's what we do so like you said no obviously have those conversations you don't know what's going to work until you talk about it and I think we're just programmed to think that we shouldn't we also make the mistake we think we're going to agree on everything parenting you don't you know you have to sort of learn to compromise Mm. because you have views on how you think you're going to parent and that is like I said it's based on someone you've never met you know when you get handed this baby and I say this to parents all the time my kid's never going to have sweets before dinner my kid's never going to have an ipad my kid's never going to play football in the house or whatever it is. and then you hold this baby and you think you can have whatever you want whatever you want it's yours i'll <laughs> give it to you so things change and you people that haven't got kids say i'm never going to yeah. do that and i just sort of say yeah we'll see you know, we'll see like i said you change you know so you, yeah. you change as yeah. <laughs> Being a parent true. changes you massively yeah, you change and i think it's just sort of having having these conversations yeah, that you evolve manage your expectations a little bit because i think that is we think that we're going to have this perfect environment and then when it doesn't happen and I'm not saying it doesn't happen to anybody but I just don't believe in perfect so it's never going to be what you think it's going to be and I think that's the bit that we do a disservice we set parents up for a fall we set them up for a fall because we don't Hmm. reset their expectations with reality so we just let them go off this cliff Hmm. we let it keep happening without saying hang on a minute you know these are the tools you need and the the most important one is when it comes to parenting if you're not flexible Travis you'll break you know you can't be regimented Hmm. stuck in this is the way it's going to be and for people with older children what i found with my again i don't claim to get it right all the time is that we have to sort of talk to them at a young age about emotions feelings being at one with yourself i think this my generation or my children they're more in touch with who they are i think they're a little bit more accepting of who and what they are hmm. on general not just my children you know their friends and um i think there's a, there's a lot there's a big shift for example if my son was Maybe he raised his voice at me or he was maybe he snapped at me because I punished him. We punish that emotion and we punish mm-hmm. that behavior. And I'm not yet again, not here to sit and say I'm a parent next week because mm-hmm. I'm not. But when I looked at it and thought that emotion is not wrong, Travis, mm-hmm. they're right. allowed to be angry at me because I've took something off them or I've told them off. Absolutely. And they didn't want so They're allowed right. to be angry. It's how they present it that we need to work on rather mm-hmm. than saying, because I'm the adult, I'm right. You're wrong. You can't feel that towards me because I'm your parent. And when I learned that, it was easier to have the conversation about Mm. emotions because I tried to present this strength. I'm the dad. I'm supposed to be strong. So I was telling my kids that nothing affects my dad. And what Mm. I demanded from them was honesty, complete honesty above anything else. You know, if you've got a problem, you come Mm. to me. If you've got a problem at school, you've got girl trouble, whatever it is, you come to me and you tell me and we'll fix it. They did that to a degree. I know they did. But how can you demand honesty when you don't give it? How can you Mm. expect them to show oh. it to you when you don't give it in return so when I said hang on a minute mm-hmm. what I need to show my children is my vulnerability my flaws the fact that yes mm-hmm. I am your dad I am this farmer soldier mm-hmm. you can but I am human humans have flaws humans make mistakes mm-hmm. humans struggle sometimes and it's okay for you to see that mm-hmm. I know the relationship mm-hmm. changed when I changed that mindset that wow. it's okay for you to see because what it does is it's the best lesson I'm ever going to teach them in my opinion that life isn't mm-hmm. easy Life isn't fair. You don't always get what you want. And mental health or life in general will bring you to your knees if you let it. Mm. And it can happen to all of us. We're all equal. None of us are immune. From, right. from real bad mental yep. ill health. It doesn't have to be a sign of who you are or what you are or what even happened to you. But if you don't respect it, it will punish you. It will punish you hard. Mm. And I think that we need to have these conversations. It starts in school, in my opinion, but you know, parents can have it. And I think that, yeah, again, not everybody agrees, but I just believe that you can't demand something if you don't give it. And I think that then mm. it, it it's yeah. not the relationship. It's not the relationship that I fought. It's almost a dictatorship because I'm telling them what to yep, do, but well, I'm not doing it. And I thought I was yeah. doing the what I believe was the right way to parent. I gave my children space to talk about things that they were finding difficult. But by not showing them mm. that I felt the same, by proxy, I am telling them it's not okay to talk about these things. Mm. So you're almost a hypocrite, yeah. in my opinion, because I'm telling them to talk but not talking. So that's yeah. how I see it anyway. And that's part of the reason why I home educate, because I think this is the sort of stuff we should teach.
0: Yeah. Oh, my – I mean, Scott, that is – I need to like quote that. I need on not to sell it as a as a on a marketing thing of his t shirt, but that, that is a powerful thing you said is you know, how can we demand honesty if we're not willing to be honest ourselves? And I'm paraphrasing, yeah, I know that, but you're absolutely right. Is is It's modeling. We have to model what we expect or would like our children to do. If we're not modeling it ourselves, we can't expect that in return from our children because they're looking at us and they're watching us more than what we say, right? That, you know, what I know about how human behavior is, is that we, yes, we listen to what, what people say and it's this cliche thing, but really actions, people's behavior, is really what we pay attention to more so than what people actually say we we listen yes but then we watch is dad modeling what he's saying oh dad's always not so why the heck would i right that's what kids think why would i be honest if dad is saying all this but he's the one who's quiet and reserved it's like oh or dad like scott scott's actually oh he's talking to me he's telling me he's struggling which in turn allows them to be vulnerable right because you're modeling vulnerability which in turns oh i can be vulnerable too i can talk to my dad who i think is this perfect being he struggles maybe i can talk to him what a shift in your parenting it sounded like of just this shift of yeah you know relationship you know became easier and you really see your kids come to you more so, and, and not, not perfectly, right? Nothing's perfect, but oh, God it sounds me. like you saw a significant shift.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, I don't want to sit like I said, I, I don't claim to be father of the year, right? not even close, but mm-hmm. I always tried. Like, for example, when, when my first was born, I did the whole baby sling thing. So we we're going by 18 years. We didn't really do that that much and mm-hmm. I'd go around Tesco's for example and everyone would, look at him with the baby sling you know and particularly being a soldier god men don't do that mm. that type of attitude so I mm. stopped doing it I would just wear it around the house I wouldn't wear it out for a while I thought oh, it's just not worth the hassle I regret that massive and I think mm-hmm. that I, I spent a very long time being what I thought other people thought I should so I think that I presented myself on the on on the outside very different to how I was on the inside. But on the inside, I was hands on. I tried to be as much as I, you know, I tried my opinion. People won't agree with me again. Sort of fifty-fifty parenting. On the whole, I think it's very difficult. Yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's there because I just see the rules as a little bit different. Yet again, this is just yeah. how I see it. My wife breastfed my boys. Yeah, that bond was maybe a little bit different. If they're sick, they go yeah. to mum. Still to this day you know, if they're sick, they go to mom, Mm -hmm. there is probably that little Mm -hmm. bit more, my wife could definitely Mm -hmm. multitask far better than I can. I mean, she's like an octopus, you know, she could change nappies, make dinner, (laughs) wallpaper and wire a plug at the same time, you know, I can't do that, mate. So there is a little bit more pressure. I think society puts a lot of pressure on moms, it tells them how they're supposed to do it, and then tells them they're doing it wrong all of the time. Dad's experienced that to a degree, but it's, Mm We, we definitely i think 50 50 parents is hard to achieve in a lot of families but i tried to be as hands-on as i could as equal as a parent as i could yeah. all the way along so that was yeah. in me and i think that came from i didn't have it so i always mm-hmm. say that we're byproducts of how we're parented whether we like it or not you either want to do what was done to you or you want to do the opposite and i was one of them yeah or you want to, to it. maybe yeah. the opposite yeah. so yeah. i wanted to do it so yeah. when my second was born we got my first birth, baby moses basket with a doll and a pram and all this sort of stuff so he could see this is what daddy's going to do he would do the same it would help him sort of adjust mm-hmm. it we're going back to the days before social media and youtube so you had to figure this stuff out on your own right so we we're just we'll try this we'll try right. that so this is what we did and one of us we call them health visitors here like district nurses they come out and help with a family um, after baby's born once the maternity services hand you up you don't have that in america which horrifies me but mm-hmm. we have it here so when they yeah. came out yeah we don't have that my son was playing putting the baby to bed and i think he was changing the nappies and this back then we you couldn't could, you get little boy girl you only got doll dolls there wasn't really that many boy dolls so i think this was actually a little girl but it was supposed to replicate his mm-hmm. little brother and the health visitors just sort of pointed at him, changing this nappy and putting the baby to bed and he said are you okay with that and like i said i was in the army at the time um you're okay with that and i said uh says yeah why mm. she because you're sons playing with girls toys that's what they Mm. said and i'm sitting there thinking well if that's how you see what he's Mm. doing how do you see me as a parent am i not supposed to do that stuff either because it was designed because this is what he's going to see so i said what he's doing is he's copying what he sees me do so that's a Mm -hmm. compliment that he thinks that's okay to do that because that's what daddy does Mm -hmm. this whole it's woman's work thing um, yeah. that we don't really. It's not as bad as it was, but that's right. where we were. So I've always had that ingrained. Yeah. But the shift when I let the wall down, mm-hmm. um, one, it was mm. freeing for me to be able to think that I can be completely mm. at ease with myself all of the time. I haven't got to present this image because that is tiring. Mm-hmm. And I think as parents, even mm-hmm. if things are really difficult, we maybe want to protect them a little bit from how bad it is. But I think mm. trying to protect them from the fact that we find it hard, I think we do them a disservice because they will mm. know anyway. They will know that you're yeah. not yourself. They're going to find out. Yeah, They, they can tell. And yeah. I've said this before. When I was in my darkest places, yeah. Travis, my kids didn't get the best of me. I know they didn't. So what it is is that you're yeah. struggling. They can tell that you're struggling. They know something has changed and that you're not as engaged as you were. But when you don't tell them why, they're in place trick. And then all of a sudden, they're doing the same as the partner. What did I do wrong? Right. Why what happened to my relationship mm-hmm. with my what did I do wrong? And we're causing them extra stress that we don't right. need to by just telling them, I'm really mm-hmm. sorry, you know, life is hard. I'm struggling, you know, I've had a bad day, but I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. Your little brother's not sleeping, or your little sister's had me up all night. I'm really str- I'm really sorry. You know, just let me get through yeah. today and we'll we'll go for a walk tomorrow mm-hmm. or we'll go and get ice cream or whatever. You've had that conversation. You don't have to go into the details yeah. of how you're feeling. But you've addressed it rather than just leaving all these elephants in the corner of the room.
0: Uh, spot on. So well said. It's about modeling, right? We're modeling to our kids, and we're and what we model is what they pick up. And man, I'm glad to hear that. We're, our world is moving away from some of these old stereotypes, right? Because you you know you've been parenting for a lot longer than I have, 18 years, and seeing you know these health workers saying you're letting your son do that and various stereotypical roles and kind of how damaging that could be. It's like, no, he's modeling what I'm doing, which is, of course, he's going to model what dad does. It's what boys can girls want to do. They want to model their parents. And that's actually a compliment to you. It's like, oh, I want to be like dad. But I want to be like mom. And we still have a long way to go, I think, in our world and society, but we we're, I think it's shifting for better, um, like you said. And I, and I just realized the time. <laughs> um, Sorry. Man, we could keep talking for days, <laughs> three, four hours, I mean, easily. Um, I mean, honestly, we're, we're going to definitely have to have a few more of these conversations and, and maybe hit some specific topics. But just for the sake of time, and I would love to know two things if we can, like a practical thing that Scott does for just self care, like mental health self care. What does he do on a you know day to day kind of the nitty gritty? You know, what is what does Scott do right now?
1: Okay, I'll, I'll have to cheat and give you. I'll give you two. First one, journaling. Always journaling, writing okay. down. I started this in my darkest times. Because I had to get it out of here. I had to get it Mm. out of my mind. And I wasn't ready to talk. Mm. So I thought, if I write it down, it was difficult. You know, the first few times I started writing these things down, I thought, this is too hard. And you get all these emotions. But once you get past it, you've done it a few times. um, It does make it easier. And what that creates, or it created for me, I can't tell the world how I'm feeling. So they can't ask how I am. But I can ask myself. Mm. And that is a good place to start so i I write it down doesn't work for everybody like Mm. i said but that that's what i do and i used to write letters to myself Mm. sort of two weeks Mm. in advance so you can see the progress you've made sometimes you haven't made any but on the whole you do make progress but the journaling i do every day or i try and do it every day or i'll dictate it just a way to get how i'm feeling i just get it out and the other thing is music um Mm. i've said this quite a lot i don't play any instruments you know i'm not talented like that but i look at I have certain playlists, depending on what I'm doing, and I have ones for different emotions Mm -hmm. and moods. And even if it's, like I said, the kids are crazy, you're trying to do dinner, emails are going, whatever it is, even if it's just one song off a certain playlist, in a separate room, shut the Mm -hmm. door, and headphones in, and even if it's just three, four minutes, whatever that one song is, you just switch off, shut your eyes, Reset doesn't always work, but it's something that I try. And it, sometimes it takes two or three songs. But music is definitely mm. a way because it takes you away from where you are. You all remember a place where your favourite song takes you. You can go to that place, and then when you come back, you sometimes feel a little bit fresher. And you can go again. I mean, you might only last another half an hour, and you've got to do it again. But I've said quite mm. a lot. I could I could lose watching TV and movies tomorrow, and i will probably be okay. I couldn't go a day without music. Mm. It's very important for lots of reasons. I just mm. love music, but. It is part of the therapy. So that's the two things that I do every day.
0: Good. And I love to hear that because they're so practical. And sometimes we we, we kind of feel like start the conversation this way. Sometimes we think we need to do these grand gestures of self-care, but often it's in these small, you know, one minute here, 30 seconds here. Sometimes we get half hour, Sometimes we get longer periods. But it's this kind of moment by moment awareness of checking in with ourselves of whether it's dictating to ourselves or speaking out loud or journaling or music is how are we doing in this moment? And it's just kind of these very practical, small things that we're continually doing that are kind of keeping us aware, uh, listening, paying attention, uh, verbalizing what's going on for us. So th- thank you for sharing that. I think it's really good for other men and women uh, who listen to this to hear that, hey, sometimes it's just, in the, it's just basic. It doesn't have to be complicated. It could be simple, but um, intentional and consistent right like you said i i journal every day listen to music all the time you know finding those things that really work for you that engage you in paying attention versus distracting right i guess the final question for for today and this is just if you could kind of give you know a message to your kids right now in your current context what is one thing that you would want them to know above all else
1: see i I could take it down the you know i i i love you i'll always be here that type of thing but i think the message i always try and get across is that nobody has the power to tell you that you can't do something the only mm. person that holds that power is you they're the only person mm. that can stop them achieving something and don't let anybody tell you that you can't be what you want to be i love not it. even me i don't Damn. even have that power that's what i tell them
0: <laughs> not, not even you and what a, what a gift to give them is to to be clear with them is like hey you 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 wield that's the one that's like the freedom you have you have that power you control it. You wield that weapon, so to speak, internally. Wow. Well, Scott, man, it has been, I appreciate this amazing conversation and there's so much here, so much gold, rich uh, wisdom and experience. We are definitely going to have numerous more conversations because there's so much that we could, we didn't even have time to unpack because there's just so much information and, but amazing information. Um, and again, experience from your real life, sharing your heart, your passion, you are clearly passionate about men and mental health and fatherhood and parenting. And I just bless you in the work you're doing in the UK and to keep doing what you're doing and to keep speaking up which i I don't think you're gonna not do so you know father to father man to man keep doing what you're doing Because i think we need more men like you in the world and to do what you're doing for mental health fatherhood parenthood it's definitely needed so i thank you for doing the work you're doing over there and and man blessings to you and your family and again thank you for jumping on and sharing your heart and uh we will definitely talk soon thanks i
1: appreciate that and exact same to you exact same to you for everything you're doing keep going (laughs)
0: Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.